Hello and welcome to the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast series. I'm your host, Jude Jennison from Leaders by Nature, and in this podcast I interview leaders from different organisations and industries to find out more about the challenges they face in leading through uncertainty and how they overcome them. This week I'm talking to Alison Jones, owner of Practical Inspiration Publishing. I'm particularly excited about interviewing Alison because not only is she my publisher, but she's the person who persuaded me to start this podcast series. Alison is the host of her own highly successful and engaging podcast series called The Extraordinary Business Book Club, where she interviews authors who have published business books. Alison has a wealth of experience in publishing, from being Director of Innovation Strategy at Macmillan to now running her own niche publishing company, specialising in publishing business books. I can't wait to hear what nuggets she has to share with us on leadership. Hi Alison, thank you for joining me today. Hello Jude, good to be here. Can you tell the listeners who you are and what you do? Sure. I am Alison Jones. I am a publisher. I'm the director of Practical Inspiration Publishing, and I'm also a book coach. And I work with business authors who've got something to say, and I help them create books that are deeply integrated with their businesses and are brilliant expositions of their intellectual property and their message into the world. And I'm really excited about having you on the show today because you are, of course, my publisher as well. I am. And you're a brilliant example of that excellent message going out into the world. It's been such fun working with you. Yeah, well, you you too. So, and, I, and I'm guessing that when you publish a book, you have no idea how it's going to go. And, and I, I know that from my point of view as an author, there is huge anxiety around, oh gosh, is this all a complete waste of time? Is anybody going to buy it? And if they do buy it, will they like it? And so on. Um, what's your experience of, of leading through uncertainty from the other side? That's so interesting. Yes, the uncertainty of, of the author who's never done this before. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, every book is different, obviously. And that's one of the most joyful things about the, the job. It's it's such a privilege because every author's different, every message is, you know, every business is different. Um, and part of my job as the publisher is to find that best path through. So it's the the right reader that you want to reach and the message that brings together your unique uh, expertise and your background and, and what it is that you have to say and your unique perspective on things. So you, in a sense, there's you know, very, very seldom does a book come along that says something entirely new. Generally, you know, if you're thinking about leadership, there's, there's precepts of leadership. There's, yes, there's new research being done, but the power comes when you express something in a way that somebody suddenly gets for the first time or, or they can connect with uh, or it shows them something in a different way that shifts things for them. So that's the magic that you're trying to create. Um, and th- there's a lot of skill involved. There's a lot of you know things that you can do and practice. And you know, as an editor for I don't know how many years, you know th- those are the sorts of skills that you build up. But still at the end of the day, when a book goes out into the world and it's picked up by a reader, you just never know how it's going to land what is going to be the thing that really hits them from that book. Uh, and often it's, you know, it might not even be on the first reading. You know, I've got lots of books on my bookshelf. I read first time and thought, well, eh, yeah, fine. And then you come back to them a couple of years later and you're in the right place to receive it. Yeah. So there are a lot of moving parts. But in terms of working with authors, it's about 
showing them the process, you know, setting out that roadmap. This is where we get from your idea to the printed book um, and helping them through that. And there are lots of, as I say, techniques and skills that you can use for that. Like, you know, you'll you'll be very familiar with the table of contents <laughs> and building that up and getting your kind of living map for the book. And and obviously it's an iterative process because writing is, is such a powerful thinking tool. And often people don't quite know what it is they're saying until they've written it down once for themselves, you know, not not just as, as a first draft for other people. Um, and then you think, oh, actually, the key point is this, I hadn't realised it. And that shapes and changes how you do the book. So it's one step at a time, and you have a kind of provisional route map in your head. But you have to allow space in the process for the unexpected, for, for the new insights. And of course, if you're a business author, you're, you're working in your business all the time. And, and there's a beautiful kind of interplay between the insights that you get from writing the book and the reaction that you get from people as you start talking about your ideas. And, and that too can shape things. So it's a very long answer to quite a short question. Sorry. Well, no, but there's, there's lots of juicy gems in there for, for me. And, and one of the things that, you know, having worked with you as, as my publisher, one of the things that you've been extremely good at is creating that structure within what seems a, a wholly uncertain process. But th the structure that you create of, you know, making sure that you've thought through the who the who's going to read the book, what the contents are, how you shape it. You know, with, within that, what I'm hearing that you create is a level of certainty and structure that within that, then there's huge flexibility. Um, yes. And, you know, one of the things that, that I found you very good at was that you were completely unfazed when something didn't go according to plan. Um, you know, where many, many people would kind of go into a panic. You never did. Um, what is it that makes you so calm and flexible within that within that process do you think because I think that's something that you know so many people struggle with that's so interesting I think it's partly age honestly I think you just, you come through so many crises and guess what nobody died in all of them and this is a wonderful thing about publishing you know it feels like the end of the world when something goes wrong but actually nobody dies not you know there's a great phrase about writing, you know, it's the great thing about writing is you don't have to get it right first time, unlike, for example, brain surgery. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so there's a bit of that. You just, you know, you have to keep a sense of perspective. But also, I think I've been through enough crises and knockbacks and disruption in my time to know that very often the other side of that is so much better than than where you went in. So I always see, uh, you know, things going unexpectedly, let's just say, um, as, as an opportunity, because it forces you to think about things differently. And that's a gift. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I wonder if there's something about the publishing industry that makes you more flexible, because you are living and breathing uncertainty. Do you know, it, that's a really good point because, you know, I've been in publishing all my working life, 20, 26, 27 years. And I, when I came into the industry in the, in the beginning of the 90s, it was a completely different beast and it was very stable. There were very stable relationships, the book supply chain and everybody understood it. There were sort of gentlemen's agreements and, and you had these relationships. It's, it's quite a small world. It was quite a cosy world, uh, a very low margin world, but, you know, but it was lovely. And then, during the course of my time in publishing, it has been disrupted almost beyond recognition. And I think, you know, I, I was young enough perhaps going in and I very quickly, I, I took a, 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 a diploma in computing and, you know, became a stroke, the only person that could talk to the IT department in the editorial department. <laughs> so I, I became this pioneer of digital publishing. Um, and I guess I didn't have as much invested in the old stuff as 
the leaders of the day. I was the young thing coming in. And I think that served me well. But what what it's done for me, I think, is um, it's taught me not to take anything for granted. And that dance, you know, that balance between making things as simple and as systematized as possible, because you have to in publishing. It, as I say, it's a very low margin business and there's lots of different states. No, it's not rocket science, but it is complex and, and you have to have really robust processes. But you can't let those processes hold you back when things change. Mm. So as director of digital publishing at, uh, at Macmillan, I was suddenly thrown into new situations, talking to new partners, dealing with new big players in the supply chain, like, you know, Amazon, Apple, and Google, who had no idea about books and didn't play by the old rules. Um, and our um, systems, you know, our even identifiers meant nothing to them. So I think people who embrace digital publishing quite early probably have an advantage in that. And I was director of innovation strategy at Macmillan before I set up Practical Inspiration Publishing. And and we really were in the business of reimagining the industry. And, and I've tried to kind of keep that that spirit uh, in my own publishing house. Right. So, I mean, what I'm hearing is just huge amounts of calm under pressure. So what is it that does rattle you? Um, when things go wrong and I can't fix them. <laughs> Amazon are particularly difficult to work with sometimes and not very responsive. So that, that sort of thing where you're just, oh, for goodness sake, this should be working and it isn't. That's absolutely maddening. And I find it very, very hard to cope with that because it's not in my gift to fix it. Um, and that frustrates me. So those things drive me honestly insane. So I, I just had to go for a run because, you know, similar situation. <laughs> just go for a run, come back, do what you can. Um, I think the lack of control um, is, is frustrating. And that's one of the great things, of course, about running your own business is that when something frustrates me, I can do something about it. And that calms me. <laughs> putting together a plan, um, trying something out, better understanding it, you know, getting the control where you can, making the changes where you can, I find very empowering. Yeah. And then I'm also hearing that you have some coping mechanisms. So one of yours is is running by the sounds of things. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I go for a run, um, you know, when I'm tired, when I'm grumpy, when I'm happy, I go for a run. Great. And, um, you know, obviously, you're working with lots of different authors. How do you find how do you find that, and how do you cope with um, with authors who are facing that uncertainty of, "Oh, crikey, what am I doing, and how do I do it?" I think this is where my approach, where I do the the coaching as well as the publishing, is really important because you build that relationship up right at the start, where the author is the expert, and I'm drawing out of them you know, the shape of the book that they're going to write. So it's very much a kind of partnership at that stage. And you develop the trust and the understanding of each other. And then when you move into the publishing where they don't have any expertise, um, they trust me enough to, uh, you know, and I, I set out the, the roadmap, as I say, in front of them. Um, and and the, you've got that relationship going in. And I, I think that's really important because so often in traditional publishing, and I'm not dissing traditional publishing, it's, it's a fabulous industry and I love it a lot, but very often it doesn't include any upstream work with the author particularly. It's just, you know, that, that you, you have the contract and then there's sort of radio silence for months and then the manuscript gets delivered and it goes into the production process. And an author can feel very, very at sea um, and disconnected and, and feel like they don't actually know anybody. They maybe never met the person that, that, that they're dealing with. And, but if you have that trust, if you have that relationship, if the author knows that they can phone you up or drop you an email and you will tell them what's going on, even a stressful situation becomes easier to handle. 
Yeah, and it's interesting because one of the things that that I found, I mean, obviously I went through your your mastermind group um, just before just before I started to to go through the publishing process with you, and and you're absolutely right. The the process that you took us through was hugely relational, and and I wonder if that's you know that is the secret of your success in and and the secret of success for anyone going through uncertainty is staying in relationship and and so often what I find when things are uncertain is there's a tendency for people to withdraw and retreat and try and work out what they need to do next and yet actually the way that you worked with with me as an author and and others that were in the mastermind group was so relational that that it it was about working things out together rather than being done to <laughs> I'm going to do publishing to you now. Yes, <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah, and I think it's it's a balance. It's <laughs> it's that tension. Well, not tension, but it's that balance all the time between the process on the one hand. So that, you know, the, the mastermind, the mentorship group as it is now, has quite a strong framework and structures and processes within it because you know I know this is the root map. But within that, you have to have the flexibility because, as I say, every single author is different and the place that they're coming from is different and the issues that they're facing are different. Um, and of course, for me, it's not just about the book. You know, one of the characteristics of the way I approach this is that the book is just part of, and it's a, it's a very central part, but it's only part of what you're doing. So during that process of writing, it's a really fertile period for building, you know, your, your business, your platform, your network and developing yourself. And when on all those different aspects come into play that, you know, there's a lot, you can't just, um, put a, a framework around it and say, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take you through from uh, A to B and in this way, and there's no flexibility. It just don't, doesn't work. No, and I think, you know, for me, that was the added value of, of being published by you was that I never felt that it was just about um, deadlines and um, and being done to, as I said, and, and having to, to follow just a structure. I always felt that you were interested in, me as a person and me as an author and me as a business person and the the real added value that that I got was um that whole process of well let's look at the nuts and bolts of your whole business and see how the book fits into that yeah Um, and I think that that was a surprise and and a welcome surprise Uh, it's good to hear that because I think that for me that's the most important part and it it's not purely altruistic. I mean, it is a bit. I mean, I'm genuinely interested. And that's what was great working with you and working with the others in, in the mastermind and the mentorship group now is that I kind of get to choose who I work with. So I only work with people who I think have something interesting to say and have a really interesting business and can, can use their book in that. But it has to start with what you want to achieve in the world professionally and personally. There's no point saying, oh, you know, I've, I've written this blog for five years and I can pull it all together and produce a book. Well, you know, lovely. But what is that why? You know, start with why. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so it's about actually what are you doing? You know, what's your vision for your business? Who is it you want to reach out to in the next few years? What products and services you're going to be offering? It, it's about that really basic fundamental strategic stuff. And then the book and particularly the writing of the book, because, you know, in this podcast, for example, you, you've turned this into a fabulous opportunity to reach out to people that you might not otherwise have, have had the opportunity to talk to. And you're, you're offering them something really interesting. You're getting great content for your book or you, you did back before it was published. And so there's that great synergy. But until you have that direction 
and it's not set in stone. Obviously, you know, it's it's always got to be flexible. It's always got to, uh, you know, it's agile in a sense. You know, you pick your direction and then you keep reviewing it and saying, is this still right? In the light of what I know now, in the light of the feedback I'm getting, is this still right? But you're continually bringing all those strands together, the business, the network, the platform, yourself and your own thinking through the writing. And, and then you've got something really powerful. And it's not just the book. I mean, the book is, is a great focus for all that. But actually, I mean, I'm sure you'd agree, Jude, that the, the process of the writing and, and the, the platform building that you've done and the, the network building that you've done have been just as valuable to you as the, as the physical book in your hand. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, so, certainly for me, it's, you know, it helped me join dots that, that I didn't see before and then kind of go deeper into to my own personal development, my own leadership and look at well, could, how could I do things better and more easily and particularly in in uncertainty so um yeah mm-hmm. so um go on let's dish the dirt i know you're not going to name names but like have you have you worked with people who've been complete divas and i'm hoping you're not going to say me but <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> yeah have you worked with like i am you've just thought oh my goodness this is a nightmare <laughs> i did sack someone once <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to go any more into detail than that. But yes, I mean, the, the, the simple fact is, if this is going to work, it's got to be a two-way relationship. And you have to trust my expertise as well. You know, I'm I'm absolutely going to trust that you know what you're doing with your business, you know, and I'm going to draw that out and, and that your expertise is, is sound and so on because you're the subject expert. But you know what? I'm the publishing expert. And the time I did Saxon was when they were like, well, I don't think I want to do it like that. And I, you know, I don't believe that that's, that's the case. I just thought, I don't think this is going to work. So uh, I didn't, I was very nice about it. I just suggested that somebody else might be better for them. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, it's back to that relationship. It's a two way and it, I don't think it matters what, what, what sector you're in actually. It, it's business is very relational, isn't it? And so, you know, it, it is about both the, the client and the supplier leaning in together and seeing what magic they can create together yeah that that is of benefit to both absolutely Um, and and it's funny it's just you take it for granted I've worked with such amazing authors and it's always been like that and it was a real shock to the system to come up against somebody who just didn't take that approach um and I (laughs) I mean that that was very interesting for me because I I did find myself a bit speechless um and I'm glad that I did pluck up the courage to, to very politely sort of say, you know, I don't think it's going to work. But um, I think you need ways of dealing with that. And I think for me, that was a really valuable lesson. I, I've, I've tried to scenario plan a bit more, you know, how I handle that situation, because there's a point where you have to pull out. But there's probably also points where you can work with people who might be on on the brink of of workable or not and train them up to be more relational and to understand better how those dynamics work. I'm not sure about that. I think maybe it's better when you get the bad feeling to cut, but I'm not, I'm still working that one through. Mm. Well, and I guess it's different, isn't it? In different situations with different people is, is the question is, are they, are they somebody that you can work with to educate them on being more relational or, or do you need to just cut and run? Yeah. And by the time you've got to sort of, you know, midlife and you're a pretty senior in an organisation or you're managing a business, like, you know, you, it's, it's hard to see that you're going to change that much, honestly. Yeah. So what's the biggest leadership challenge that you've faced in your career? I think it's probably going back to that crisis in, in publishing when it looked like it was all completely falling apart. You know, ebooks came along, Amazon came along. We were sort of reeling from punch after punch after punch. And as I say, it's a, it's a low margin industry book publishing. It didn't have the, the resources, the experience and innovation really to, to cope very easily. And 
there was a crisis within the community as well, because everybody knew everybody in a sense. And suddenly all those relationships were in question or were redundant or didn't matter as much anymore. And knowledge that people had built up over years, knowledge of how the supply chain worked, what worked when you sold a book, you know, how to optimize a, a print process, suddenly all that again, you know, kind of lost its value overnight. It's a new currency that we were dealing with. So there was a lot of morale issues um, in big organizations, um, lots of, not so much in, in mine actually, but, you know, looking elsewhere in the industry, lots of leaders who were floundering because suddenly, you know, what they thought was a stable a stable business had, had changed hugely. Um, I, you know, as a, as a director, I'm, I'm really proud of, of the way that we managed through that and, and brought people through the change and I think made it into something really positive. But yeah, it's interesting. Publishing has sort of settled down now. It's, you know, it's digital publishing. We used to, we used to have titles, you know, digital director. It's just, that isn't really a thing anymore because that's just what it is. That's just publishing. You don't, you don't have to preface it with digital, which shows how far we've come. <laughs> but what's, I think, the big challenge for uh, traditional publishing now it's sort of polarized. So you've had this consolidation into a few big companies because all the medium-sized ones, well, not all of them, but a lot of the medium-sized ones just went, they just died, you know, couldn't, couldn't sustain it or were bought up by the big guys. And then at the other end of the scale, you've got lots of very agile, very passionate, smart indie publishers who are, you know, really focusing on a niche and, and doing really innovative things. And I think the challenge, I suppose, is it's for those smaller ones to grow and scale on the one hand, but for the bigger ones to keep that kind of entrepreneurial or intrapreneurial um, attitude. So now that they have kind of navigated that change and, and they're back into profit and so on, keeping the, the, that sense that it, it won't even be like this for long, you know, that the change is the new normal. And they have to find ways of making those huge organizations responsive and agile and able to break their own rules. Because as I say, it's such a rule-driven industry. It's very, very process-based. Um, and that's a great strength in some ways, but it can also be a big break on innovation. And I, you know, I wonder if publishing was one of the first sectors to to experience this level of um, digital disruption. Well, I think um, it, it was after music, to be fair, and I think it's 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 fared a lot better than music, you know, which has gone almost completely digital. Um, but it, that's because I think the experience of reading is is different to the experience of reading of listening to music. You listen to music almost as an incidental thing while you're doing something else. It didn't really matter what format it was delivered in. Reading for information, particularly rather than reading genre fiction, which has gone almost exclusively um, digital, uh, not but heavily digital, um, is still it's a kind of relaxation activity. There, there's a lot of cultural value invested in, in the actual thing, the object of the book. And if you're studying, for example, you do actually they've, they've done quite a lot of research on this and proven that students absorb information better from the printed page than the uh, than on screen and it's actually quite tiring to read stuff on screen you don't have a kind of memory of where you are in the book that allows you to go back to it so there's lots of affordances of, of the physical book that have protected that industry um rather more than music um which is which is really interesting and things like you know subscription models which work really well for music you, you don't consume all you can eat in terms of reading in the same sort of way so yeah really interesting differences between them yeah, and also the the key thing there I, I'm thinking about is that you know that that there's been a lot of consolidation. So you've got these small niche publishers, and then you've got the very you know the big players mm. who 
who've merged and acquired a lot of the the medium-sized ones and I think that's you know that's true of most industries these days most sectors have have gone through that you know the banking industry has gone through it the insurance industry retail retail legal is going through it um you know all all of the sectors are experiencing you know the the uncertainty of mergers and acquisitions and the need to be entrepreneurial in a large organization and and I think that's that's really challenging I just want to go back um to your experience because there's something that you said around um when you worked, and I think it was at, at Macmillan, that when you, you were director of innovation and strategy and you said that you brought the organisation with you, what was it, and you said that other other um, publishing companies struggled to do that, yeah. not all, but some did. What was it that you that you did as a leader that enabled that to happen? Well, I'd love to take personal credit for this. Um, I mean, maybe I just should because, you know, hey, nobody's around to to contradict me. But I think, honestly, one of the reasons that we did so well was that Macmillan's sister company was Nature Publishing Group. And Nature was in the journals business, which went online a lot quicker. And it also had digital science, which was a really brilliant model. They basically, it was a sort of incubator, an in-house incubator, and they invested in or acquired lots of startups in the um, sort of academic communication space. So we had a company that was very closely related to us that was really at the forefront of the innovation stuff. And I had support when I was saying, I know on paper, this project doesn't look as if it's making any money in the first year, which is what we demand of our print products. But actually, if we're going to survive, we need to take some risks. And this is why I think this is a risk worth worth taking. Uh, And there was evidence in the company for that sort of thinking. And I think had we not had that, it would have been a lot harder to get people thinking uh, in that way, that, that, that you know, the fail fast, fail early thing was absolutely anathema to traditional publishing because there isn't the margin to do it. And as I say, as you have to, uh, particularly in academic publishing, where you, you're, you're putting through a, a high volume of uh, monographs at a relatively low margin on each one, you know, you can't, you can't play around too much with that. So it really was looking at um, the opportunities that were coming up, finding ways of quickly identifying those that look promising, putting together a case and and asking people to accept the uncertainty involved in, in that kind of experiment. And I think had we not had Nature Publishing Group doing all that really interesting stuff, much of which was starting to work, it would have been harder to sell it. Yeah, interesting. And and what what I'm finding is in the conversations I'm having with um, with many of the larger organisations these days is that they they are setting up startup businesses within their yeah. you know funded by the larger organisation. Do you think that that's similar to to what you did in in Macmillan where you had that access to that entrepreneurial spirit? Yes. Do you think that's the way forward? I, I think it's a way forward. I think it's really powerful. Uh, it's probably not the only way forward, but it certainly answers a lot of the problems. And because the owners were still the owners in most cases. They weren't actually acquired by digital science. They were invested in and, and they, they supported them. They had all the passion and ownership and autonomy that they needed to, to make that thing happen at that, at that size and scale, which is quite hard, I think, to replicate if it's just another project that, that you're handed you know, in a team and it's not your baby. So they, they, made, they made the most of that. I think also that the diffi- one of the difficulties, particularly in publishing, which is, you know, as I say, it's low paid, uh, it's quite a, it was quite a stable profession. When you suddenly saw people not playing by the rules over there, it, it could breed some resentment. So it's like, hang on a minute, 
here I am, you know, working my backside off, doing this thing, hitting my targets. But these people over there who are losing money hand over fist are getting all the attention. And that can be difficult to manage. Keeping it as a separate organization, everybody understands the rules, not organization, but a separate unit, I think helps with that because it's understood that this is our innovation bit and we need the engine of the regular day-to-day business to make this possible. But this is the stuff that's going to make the future possible for us as well. So getting that balance with the people who are the people who are really generating the revenue that you need right now today, doing the stuff they've always done, you have to make them feel excited and valued and like they're not going to be left behind um, while all this exciting stuff's happening around the edges. Yeah. And I guess, you know, I guess I guess we could talk about that for hours and, uh, and, and maybe that's for another day. <laughs> <laughs> but one, one last question for you, Alison, what keeps you awake at night? <laughs> Um, I think part of the problem is I do care. I genuinely care so much about the books. So when there is a hiccup, it might seem to you like I'm really, really calm about it, but uh, I think I'm a bit swanny. (laughs) So there's a lot of paddling under the surface and trying to sort this out. And I genuinely have lost sleep (laughs) over over hiccups, which is ridiculous because, you know, you lie there telling yourself, I'm achieving nothing. It's four in the morning. There's nothing I can do go to sleep, but it does happen. Um, I think it's, I I often get woken up by ideas as well, which is a bit irritating because again, at four in the morning, there's a limit to what you can do about it. But generally, you know, it's just, there's so much going on. There's so much potential. There's so much excitement. Uh, Choosing what to focus on and, you know, picking the, your, your, your energy and your attention and your time are actually your most scarce resources. And I do sometimes worry that Um, I'm spreading them too thinly or that I'm not concentrating in the right place. I think I do occasionally fret about that in the middle of the night. Yeah. There you go. An insight into my middle of the night psyche. (laughs) Well, that's always interesting to, uh, to know, to know what's happening for people really. Um, Alison, that's been fantastic. Um, Is there anybody else that you would recommend that I speak to? Do you know, I I think a really interesting person to talk to would be Sandra Green. I was chatting to her last week. She is the leader of the Women's Leaders Association, the founder of the Women's Leaders Association, and deals with you know obviously very senior women leaders. And I just think she'd be interesting in sort of you know what is it that is uh, particularly of concern to them? What do they find as a co- as common ground you know amongst their members, and how does that translate into the new leadership? Um, because my instinct is that a lot of stuff, this relational stuff, for example, that women perhaps do intuitively quite well, is becoming more and more important. And I'd love to hear her thoughts on that. Well, that's that's a brilliant recommendation because Sandra, I, I do know Sandra. I've actually spoken at one of her events before, and um, she's fantastic, and she's doing a great some great work with the Women's Leadership Association. So um, she's actually already on my radar. So I shall uh, I shall definitely get in touch with her. Excellent, yeah, and I'll definitely listen to that. I think it'd be fascinating. Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time, Alison. It's been great to talk to you today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, Judy. You're very welcome. Bye. Hi. Alison role models the importance of providing exceptional value in business. She's all about building strong relationships and it's clear that no matter how you work with her, it's always going to be a partnership. Alison's experience of how the publishing world has had to transform in response to technological disruption is a lesson to any business in any sector. I think the message is loud and clear. Get left behind at your peril. Adapt and adapt quickly. 
Relationships and an entrepreneurial spirit will clearly get you far, no matter where you work. That's it for this podcast. I was your host, Jude Jennison from Leaders by Nature. Keep leading and I'll come back soon with the next interview on Leading Through Uncertainty. Mm-hmm.